This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome to the PowerCat Podcast, GoPowerCat.com's Kansas State Athletics Show. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, from the GPC studios, here's your host, GoPowerCat publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to another edition of the PowerCat Questions Podcast. We're sponsored by The Fridge Wholesale Liquor, right here in beautiful, scenic, lovely, currently rainy Manhattan, Kansas. Is it raining out still? No. That is a lie. I've been just dry. It was raining earlier. It is sunny and 80 out. And sunny and 80, Manhattan, Kansas, my story was better. And I am Tim Fitzgerald, all-knowing. There should be some music behind me. I, I didn't, shouldn't have to play, so it should just play automatically when I say that. Zach Carlson and Cole Carmody are here with us today. Ryan Gilbert might be working, or he might be involved in a murder-for-hire scheme. We think it's work. But technically, that is work. You could murder someone. You got to report that income. Mm. Yeah. I wonder if he got paid a couple hundred thousand dollars. He really would. What, what's this for? Oh, a little murder? Okay, Mr. Cover, thank you for your honesty. We're sponsored by The Fridge. Please, whenever you're in Manhattan, stop by and see The Fridge. Just go follow The Fridge on social media. They do fun internet content. They've got... Their social media is wonderful. Just wonderful. They are such a nice group of kids. I'm so proud of what they've done there. Anyhow, they've been sponsoring us for a long time, and we appreciate their support, so please support them. I have, as usual, no idea what is going to happen in this podcast. I have not seen the questions. I've been a little busy. I've been a little doped up today. Legally, people. Well, legal dopage have some stuff done but i will try not to be a groggy bear i'll just maybe be an angry bear cole you reading 
Yeah, I am. Well, let's get going with your questions from Wabash Station. Mr. Cole Carmody, take it away. First question comes from Cat Lum, nineteen sixty. Oh, not 1967. That would be an 11. That would be a nine-year difference in this. Cat Alum, 1976. We're off to a bang with this podcast. You got a little dyslexic on us here? Yeah, okay. I, I do. He says, I think Gene Taylor is doing a very good job, and I don't want to see him leave K-State. Nope. But is a little... But is it a little self-serving to include in the contract for Chris Kleiman that his buyout decreases to $1 million if Gene is no longer with K-State? Kind of, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, if let's not say Gene wanted that put in there. I think Chris wanted that put in there. So, I mean, if it makes Chris comfortable, that doesn't mean if Gene retires, Chris is immediately gone. He just... It just means that if Gene Taylor takes the Iowa job, Chris Kleiman's going to take the job, the Iowa job. Yeah, <laughs> and I don't see that happening. I mean, Gene's 65. I mean, I think the three years is like, I want to retire in three years. Mm-hmm. And then that allows Chris Kleiman to say, okay, who comes in next? I don't like the guy. Okay, I can get out of here if I want to. Or just renegotiate. Like that kind of looms that over as a renegotiating mm-hmm. tactic yeah, as well. That's what I think. I think at the end of three years, so reevaluate everything going on and and probably up his pay and change that contract. I don't know. People get caught up in the fact that, you know, oh, it's a five-year contract extension worth this amount of money. I'm like, usually if a coach is doing his job, they never even see the end of the contract, right? Like it just gets changed like every two or three years. It's like what happened with Patrick Mahomes. He gets He's the all-time highest paid player in the history of the NFL, and now he's like, what, fifth? And it's like, of course, they're going to redo his contract to make him the highest paid player in the history of the NFL. I think it's kind of the same thing with with Chris Kleiman. I mean, let's be honest. If he does his job, if K-State goes to a college football playoff and Gene Taylor's still here, they're going to renegotiate the contract. If Gene Taylor leaves, guess what? They're still going to renegotiate the contract. I don't don't think that this – I don't think this really means much. Patrick needs that money if he's going to buy the Coyotes. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> I'll just friend him the money. Do you we? Will? Yeah, I got it. Okay. Him. Is there any indication, though, that the Iowa thing is even going to happen? Like, I know people have been talking about that for years, but at what point does Iowa get fed up with Kirk Ferentz scoring 10 points a game and decide to move on? I, and, and I mean, th- this is the year. I think they got to, don't they? I mean, he's got his son so intertwined in this mess, and again, well, his son has a. I think they have to score a certain average number of points a game if he wants to keep his job. Mm-hmm. He literally has a performance clause in his contract that says you must score X amount of points per game, or you're gone. I'm telling you what, if you're the son of a successful coach, you better be pretty damn good. I mean, if you're mediocre. I don't want you on the staff. I, I, I think it's going to cause problems on a staff. This is the Rob Cassidy finger painting come to life. <laughs> these coaches that have their kids on the staff have raised these children. And from the very start, when they brought home finger painting from first grade, they thought it was art. They hung it on their, their refrigerator and told everyone, this is art my kid made at school. And everyone looked at it and went, that's not art. That's just absolute trash. And then they get into coaching and they think, this is my son. He's, he's doing art. And everyone's like, no, he's trash. 
It's just a horrible blind spot. So you, the sun has to be so good uh, to be legitimate. And I just don't see it here at all. Maybe he'll go to Iowa State. Why, why would they want to score less points? Is, that, is Iowa State going to ha- get up to like 13 points a game and think, whoa, we got to back this off? I'm just taking a subliminal shot. That's all. Okay. Next question <laughs> comes from KSU Cat 80. Is President Linton as involved in recruiting as past presidents? Okay, question, Zach. Is he talking about – are we talking about the university or are we talking about the athletic department? Athletic. Uh, yeah, I thought we were talking about athletics. Yeah. Which yeah. – I mean, John Weefald was, you could argue, over-involved. Too intrusive Probably. at times. I mean, it was like a, he was so excited to be involved in recruiting as like a little kid, but it was effective, but probably a little overwhelming. Um, and imagine, I think Richard Linton's got a little, he's involved, but it's not craziness. He's not going to go through passes at practice, I don't think. I mean, I feel like with with this situation, you have a president who really cares about K-State and who literally tries to play, I am just another person at this university. Mm-hmm. I never got that vibe with General Myers. And, again, that's probably because everybody refers to him as General Myers. Yeah, he was just the head of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. Yeah. He, he did a, not a big to-do with athletics, I don't feel like. I'm sure he cared about K-State athletics. But, I mean, President Linton, from the interactions that I've had and that I've seen with him, just seems like the type of person who really cares about the image of the university, especially the athletic department. And he also seems like the kind of guy who understands in order for our university to be successful, our athletic department has to be successful. Yeah, like that. Those two just seem like they go hand in hand. And anything he can do to help, I'm sure he's all over. I don't know if you guys saw the the hang with Tang that he did with him. I thought that was really, really cool and kind of sums up, I think, how he feels about athletics. Right. I mean, we all focus on the Gene Taylor clause in there, but it also is there for Richard Linton. That shows how important he is to these coaches, how how much they like having him as president, that after the short time, Chris Kleiman put him in there, same thing. If he leaves, my everything drops to a million dollars for a buyout. I don't think he's leaving anywhere. I think he's going to be here for a while, hopefully, because they need some stability in Anderson Hall, and and I think he could be the guy to do it. The minute he showed up on campus and he showed everybody his purple socks, it's like, okay, this guy gets it. Like I, I, I have been so impressed with President Linton, and I mean, even when we see, like, getting back to the question, when we see basketball recruits on the sideline for football, I mean... President Linton is around. He's not, you know, the one out there in front making the attention all about him and telling Coach Tang, oh, come here, do this. Right? He's, he's around the sidelines before the games. But I do think it is probably worth noting if you're Jerome Tang, if you're Dream Down, to tell these kids, hey, this is the president of the university. Guess what? He's on the field. He's interacting with the fans. He's interacting with the students just like everybody else is. And, I mean, I think that helps because – Tell me if I'm wrong, but I do not remember President Myers doing that. I don't recall no. it. I mean, it's it's good to have a president that cares about being seen by everybody. And not just like from the fact of like, I'm the president, I want to be seen. It's a, I want to hang out with you type of guy. I think that is, he's absolutely the best fit for K-State, I think. What is the, is there a rule on if people in the education department can get involved in recruiting stu- potential student athletes? Like, is there rules on and stipulations on that? Like, mm-hmm. it, like no, I mean, it's, it's just like, 
you or I. Just a faculty member. As a senior in high school going to a mm-hmm. visit day. Yeah, they all do I mean, their they all have college to, visits. Yeah. You, got, you got to have some sort of academic portion to this, you know, to these athletic visits. You know, it's not all just cool. We got a barbershop in the, in the weight room, you know, like it's. There's there's more to going to school than there is actually they do actually come to play school. They they do they actually take classes? Allegedly. So basically this is what happens at other campuses. Hey, let's go tour the business school. I, I I'm not interested in the business school. I'm gonna be a social sciences major. And uh but no, we need to string swing by the business school. They've got a new department over there. Oh, really? It's kinda cool. What is it? The Department of Accounting Money. And then just you walk in, there's like a, the back room at a casino, and they're just running thousands of dollars of money. Whoops, I lost this stack. Put that over there by you. I, that's how it's going to work. So basically, the presidents are saying, I'm going to make him an offer. You can't Got refuse. Yeah. I like it. Just pass you an envelope that says Tim Fitzgerald NIL on it. Mm-hmm. Very good. This I next should, question. I should start my own NIL. Just pay guys to go on. Hi. This is Will Howard. Tim Fitzgerald's cool. And you can see him making the, the hostage symbol with his hand. like <laughs> Blinking Morse code. Yeah, blinking Morse code. Help. There we go. That's my whole NIL. Just pure ego play. This guy's saying nice things about me. All right. I don't really know how to segue off of that. You probably shouldn't. This next question is kind of a long one, so strap in. Oh, boy. From I Like Pickles Cat. Pickles. Alabama is scheduled to play at... USF at Arizona at Minnesota at Virginia Tech and at West Virginia between now and 2035. K State's upcoming Power Five opponents are Colorado, Rutgers, Arizona, and Washington State. K State's group of five opponents are Georgia Southern and Army. Is there a good reason to be scheduling teams that we expect to be weak, or should K State at least be shooting for games against the likes of Wisconsin, Kentucky, Arkansas, Virginia Tech, etc.? You know, those schedules were done before Chris Kleiman when John Curry made Bill Snyder have at least one Power 5 non-conference game, something he didn't want to do, and John Curry was right about that. Um, But that this was the compromise. We're going to go find you these teams. That's one of the things I'm kind of hopeful about Pac-12 expansion is it might take a couple of those teams out of it and they'll have to go find new teams, which may not be easy. But, um, yeah, it might get interesting for Gene Taylor trying to find another Power 5 game on short notice. Um, I'm I'm not into Rutgers. I don't think going to Rutgers does you a damn thing. I don't think it's a quality of opponent that makes a difference. You're not playing in an area that makes a difference. And the New York City lo- market, Brett Yormark would love it. Yeah, whatever. And Washington State, the same thing. I don't – I mean, I'd much rather play Georgia Southern – than Washington State. Mm-hmm. I mean, at least you're in the right area. I'd like to play USF. I think that's a good game. You know, it's a good place to go play. You're recruiting down there. I, they're going to have to find some some better opponents to, to play. This is the reality of the situation. If if K State is going where they want to go, these games do absolutely nothing for them because they are against other Power 5 teams, sure, but they're a step down. Yeah. When these games were scheduled, eh, you could say, 
eh, they're close to the same level. K-State, Washington State on the recruiting trail, typically the past four years have gone after the same amount of kids. We're seeing that that's kind of changing this year. K-State's kind of going after a higher level of kid than Washington State's going after. Arizona, I don't have a problem with. I think, again, if they maybe come to the, the Big 12, it, it looks different, obviously. I think that's fine. K-State has been recruiting in Arizona a lot, so I understand that. I think that they could potentially um, take that next step. I know they beat UCLA this past season. But, yeah, I mean, Washington State, Rutgers, it just is that, – that, that makes no sense to me. And now Colorado, obviously, you have Deion Sanders, so that adds another little intrigue there, and they do recruit out, out there. But, I mean, what's the point of going up against the bottom – tier teams in the power five conferences who are notoriously there year after year after year after year i i don't get that i do think now they should go try and play an sec school we tr- we saw they tried to do it with vanderbilt it didn't really work but go play a middle tier sec school like they're doing against missouri like they did against mississippi state that i'm all fa- in favor of but if you go play a bottom tier perennial bottom tier power five opponent you're you're taking your program down a notch because it does absolutely nothing if you win great you're supposed to win if you lose that does more damage than any than, than losing to a two lane it really does so um yeah i i don't get that i don't i wish that the contracts were not made 15 years in advance I mean, yeah these games were scheduled ten, between 10 and 15 years before the games are going to be played i think that it doesn't really matter I think if you look, you know, five, ten years ago at Colorado, Arizona, and Washington, Washington State, you're fine with those games. Those are mid-level. You know, it, it's it sucks that they're all from the Pac-12 and they're all from one conference in a place that you don't really recruit. I'm with Fitz kind of on on that thinking, but they're fine teams. They've had bad runs over the last few years. Rutgers, yeah, that's a bad one. You know, that's that's like scheduling KU. That's you been know. bad. That's that's really bad. That's a bad Power 5 team. They shouldn't be in the Big Ten. They shouldn't even be in the Power 5. They should probably be in the American Conference. Let's, let's be real. But these are at least two and a half recruiting cycles in advance that these games are scheduled. These are probably two, maybe even three head coaches in advance. There's so many cycles that... You know, even with, you know, I think Rutgers is still eight years off, right? 2031, 2033, I don't know. Eight and ten years away, they can still, you know, turn it around. They can have some good teams, maybe. But Not it's in also the conference Rutgers. they play in. It's also Rutgers. But my, my point is, if you're going to schedule these so far in advance, does it really matter? Other than, you know, I, I get I get the point of the question. Go after the Floridas. Go after the Texases and the Oklahomas and the USC's and the UCLA's. Like, I get it. But also, if you're going to schedule Power 5 teams, you don't need to go after Oregon every year. But do you want to be taken seriously? Because if you go and you look at these teams that are consistently in the top 15, they are playing perennial powers year after year after year in the non But they're also playing Citadel in week 11. So does it matter? Yeah, no, I, that's a good point. I don't know. I just think that if K-State really wants to be taken seriously and taking their game to the next level, you have to go out and you have to schedule the big dog. And if you lose, you lose. You move on. It doesn't matter, especially with the expanded playoff. But, again, it just sucks that the contracts are written up 15 years in advance. It does nobody good at all. Well, 
the first problem facing Kansas State is if this falls the way we think it is, Arizona's going to be in the Big 12 in 24, if it breaks that way. That's their non-conference opponent for 24 and 25. It's going to be a real challenge to go find someone to replace that. I don't know how they're going to do it. And then, I mean, even after that. Or just play it as a non-conference game. That's probably the solution. Just play it as a non-conference game. Non-conference game. game. Yep, they might have to do that. Just kind of here. Or maybe it becomes a conference game and K-State plays somebody that's in the conference and here's a new non-conference game. You get to play Houston. Yeah, I, somebody. I don't know. I mean, then after that, they got one game with Washington State, then the series with Colorado, and then back to Washington State, and then the Rutgers thing in thirty and thirty-one. I think they need to clean this up. They need to. I would, if if possible, I would jettison all these games, particularly if Arizona and, and Colorado are coming in. I'd get rid of them all. But that's so easily, yeah. so much easier said than done. Yep. The last question of the first half comes from Florida Cat Fan 90. He says, I know K-State is considered special teams you, but looking at NFL rosters as of today, there are six cornerbacks and two safeties going into camps. Maybe K-State is a DBU. 11 out of 20 players are on the defensive side of the ball. What's the breakdown of positions? Six cornerbacks, two safeties, and 11 of 20 players are on defense. I'm assuming he meant cornerbacks because he put DBs and then two safeties, so... I'm, yeah. just, I'm assuming that's what he meant, but... Well, let's see. You got... I think he's right. Julius Brents, Echo Boydo, um, DJ Reed, Duke Shelley. AJ Parker. AJ Parker, and uh, Keandre Thomas? Probably, technically. Yeah. I think he's still on a practice squad somewhere, but... Yeah, I believe those are the six he would be... And then the safeties would be Rush East and somebody else. You do the NFL... You do, do the Wildcats in the I NFL... T- I, th- I don't know who the other one is. I don't either. Well, there you go. I don't know. It's fascinating because all these guys are like like recent, pretty recent. I mean, take out DJ Reed and a lot of these guys play together. I, I think it talks a lot about Van Malone and the, pro- the progress that really this staff has made with some of these guys. The fact that Echo Boido signed with the Chiefs as an undrafted free agent, I think is – I'm not surprised, obviously, but that's big time. I mean, that does a lot for that room. I agree. I mean, I think we all knew Echo was good, just a little bit smaller than what they want. So it doesn't surprise any of us. He went into that camp and they said, oh, crap, this kid's good. I think he's going to hang on in some way. You don't typically do that just for practice fodder. We'll see. We'll see. I just hope we get this notion that the Big 12 doesn't play defense because people still have that. And crazy. And and K-State is perennially putting guys in the league from the defensive side of the ball. I mean, at what point are people going to realize that the Big 12 plays defense, K-State plays defense? They might not have the highest stars, but they find a way to put guys in the league. I think Joe Hall put it on, on Twitter. There was a nice graphic he put up and just talking about the amount of talent that K-State has had, like, a guy like Felix, a high two-star recruit, comes into K-State, pops out the other side as a, as a first-round draft pick. I mean, we've seen that a lot, but on the defensive side, we've seen it more regularly, and I don't really know why that's the case. Maybe it's because they just uh, people are not very good at evaluating defensive players like they are offensive players, but it's, it's really cool. And I think K-State's going to have some guys on the defensive side, like Khalid Duke, who's going to be one of those guys. He's going to go under the radar 
and probably make an NFL roster by the time it's all said and done. I would agree with that. I, I think there's more NFL guys on this team. There's no doubt about that. I mean, Will Howard at quarterback? I mean, if that's so, that that kind of flips it back over to the offensive side. It's uh, it's good to see this many guys getting a chance in the league. It's a sign of the talent rising back up because there was a lot of K-State guys playing significant roles in the NFL in the early 2000s. And lo and behold, those teams in the early 2000s were good. So I think I mean, it's, it's it's a good measuring it's a good measuring stick of where your program's at for sure. Yep, no doubt about it. That is it for the first half of this Powercat Questions podcast. We hope you'll stick around for part two. I have no idea what we're going to talk about, but I'm sure it'll involve uh, violence and maybe possibly some sex. Maybe not. GoPowerCat.com's Powercat podcast continues after this short break. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Welcome back to the Power Cat Podcast. Now, let's return to the GPC Studios. Welcome back to the Power Cat Questions Podcast. Chaos has arrived at the studio during the break. We have two flies, two dogs, and it's a showdown. Actually, we're down to one fly because Daphne got one. And she spit it out. Spit it out. They're currently patrolling the... The studio set corner there by the... The lava lamp's going to die, I think. Don't, don't drop the lava lamp. It's going to shatter. This is the Powercat Questions podcast, the one in which you get to ask us actual sports questions, and we attempt to answer them. That's what we do here. We talk K-State sports, but the questions come from our members at Wabash Station at GoPowerCat.com. It's our premium message board, and the answers are for all to hear. But if you want to be part of the question asking, please subscribe to GoPowerCat.com. We continue to grow. It's fun to watch it as we uh, keep reaching new subscription highs on this network. Tim Fitzgerald, Zach Carlson, and Cole Carmody today because, well... Ryan Gilbert's got another job, and let's be honest, he loves those people better than us. And there's also alcohol at his job. I probably would like that job better. We have flies. We have flies, and we have two wild animals hunting those flies. So this could get interesting. Just ignore the sounds of the hunting dogs in the background, and here are your questions from Wild Station. 
First question of the second half comes from Cat in Callo. He says, I heard a discussion on if the Big 12 will need to, or really should, change its name if more teams are added. What are your thoughts? Stick to Big 12 regardless of the team number, or take the opportunity to rebrand if they span to Florida or to Arizona or even California? No, never rebrand. I think rebrand. And here's why. Look at all the negativity we've run into in the whole expansion process. The whole, the whole well, you were just talking about it, everyone in, around the country still thinks the Big 12 throws the ball over the field mm-hmm. and can't play defense. I mean, that's just. Changing your name's not going to fix yeah, that. Will. Yeah, it'll show you some, you're a new conference, that you're something different. I, I personally don't want, I, I've gone through all kinds of regional names and coast to coast and sea to shining sea and all this stuff. And I just keep coming back to this. They own Big 16 as a mark, apparently. That was done when they went to Big 12. They bought Big 16. I don't know about Big 20. Just change it to Big 16 and call it good. Make that your number. You want to be the Big Ten, we're the Big 16. Yeah, we got 20 football teams and 24 basketball teams, but we're the Big 16. So you're still kind of yourself. Oh, that's the old Big 12. But now you're saying we're bigger and better. And I think, too, like that's just the history of this conference. It started as the Big 7. Then it went to the six. Big 6. Sorry. started as the Big 6. Then it went to the Big 7. Then it went to the Big 8. Then it went to the Big 12. Why not just keep that along the lines of the same thing and add it? I I, I actually you, do think you if can. you own the rights to Big Sixteen, fine. Right. But I think that if numbers aren't going to matter, stay Big Twelve. You've owned that name for twenty five years now. Just run with it. Keep it going. But that name is so associated with Texas, Oklahoma, yes. Nebraska, Texas A and M. You know I. I just think it gives you a kind of a fresh start. They were never in the Big 16. None of them. And I don't know if you want to redo the bylaws and make it an all-new conference. I personally don't want that. I want to keep the records. But I I'm, I'm, would like to have some barrier between the survivors and the traitors. And, you know, that conference is in some ways gone. You were never in the Big 16, so that's basically. I get, I get that. I will be, yeah. I'll be fascinated to see what Brett Yormark wants to do with this. I just think that the name is historical still, and yes, OU and Texas were part of that, but they also helped make the Big 12. At least, if you want to look at the good parts of it, they at least helped with that brand perception nationwide. Mm-hmm. And, and when you see Big 12, it's going to take a while before people. Remember, hey, they're in the SEC now. They're not in the Big 12 anymore. There's still that brand association that will carry over at least for a little bit, and especially if they struggle in the SEC. They'll be like, oh, they could be in the Big 12 and be winning that. So, okay, you guys, do you you watch Ted Lasso? Yes. I haven't watched watched the last time. I haven't watched this season. Okay, I'm like one episode behind, but I'm going to draw a comparison. Um, Do you remember when – if I, I'm not trying to spoil it, but the Zlatan yeah, spoil is... It. It's not Zlatan. What's his name? It's the guy who's based off Zlatan. I, yeah, I've heard there's a guy that's based What's on Zlatan. What's his name? Fitz, the guy that remember. comes... I can't remember. Okay, so they get this really big-time superstar, and he is, like, very theological, and he says, you can be whoever you want to be. And so the goalkeeper's name is... His last name Zorro. And he's like, well, I'm going to change my name, and I'm going to go by Van Damme now. Just randomly. 
He's like, whatever happened, the guy's like, whatever happened to Zero Zero, it was in the past. Now you're Van Dam. But it's kind of like the Big 12. Whatever happened with the Big 12, you put it behind you. It's a fresh start. The Big 16, they're, they're Van Dam. They don't have to remember. They can have the same qualities that they had when they were the Big 12, but they have a brand new name now, and it's still the same conference. I think that's what they need to do. Taking a big with a number after it is the only acceptable change that I will accept. You can't become something else. You can't become the C to Shining C? No. C to C conference? The collegiate Premier League, as cool as that sounds, it sounds like lacrosse. <laughs> and K-State doesn't play lacrosse. Yeah, they do. At the varsity level. Oh, I don't want you to short that outstanding lavender based team that plays lacrosse for Kansas State University and won something. I don't know. No, they don't play for the Kansas State University because technically they're an independent student organization and the university gives them zero funding. But that is the little known fact. They're not allowed to use a power cap. They might have K-State student IDs. They might. They might. They don't have to, though, do they? <laughs> no, you know. do. You do? Mm-hmm. You, they won't let you bring in a ringer? I am Tony. I'm I'm 21. Dude, you're like 45. I'll beat you with this stick. I don't know if I'd want a 45-year-old <laughs> on my lacrosse Well, it wouldn't team. be very effective. I don't know. Maybe Tony's outstanding. How's this flow? Like his hair? Yeah. I thought... A whole different conversation. Okay. Next question comes from Darren Sproul, super fan. If the ACC falls apart, who's on the Big 12's list? Is it Louisville, Pitt, Georgia Tech, Virginia Tech? Well, <sighs> NC State. The, the thing going on here is um, twofold. Who does the Big Ten and SEC want? And how many of them do they want? Are Georgia and Washington still in play for the Big Ten if the ACC opens up? Oregon? Oregon and Washington. Not Georgia. You said Georgia and Washington. Where did that come from? Probably because you were thinking of Georgia Tech. Oregon and Washington, uh, are they still in play if the ACC is? I tend to think maybe not. I only think the possibility is of another West Coast team might be Stanford if somehow, some way, they can get Notre Dame. Since that's a team they play every year, I think that might be the pairing. And then you bring in two other ACC teams. Let's just be as honest as possible here. This is not a snake draft. This is the SEC and Big Ten will take who they want, and then everyone else will look at you with their bowl and empty bowl in their hand and more conference uh, and you know then you kind of pick them uh so this is what let me pull it up on the the old phonage uh see all notes this is what i had worked up at one point and it's hard to balance out what these conferences uh, conferences are after at this point um and this none of this involves the oregon washington or georgia if you want to throw them in. <laughs> oregon washington stuff this is all ACC, who I think the Big Ten and SEC would get. Big Ten, I think, would absolutely want North Carolina and Virginia as their linchpins. Those are the two big academic schools. They fit what they want. They're, they haven't been as good in athletics, but they fit that profile mm-hmm. perfectly. Mm-hmm. I can see them also taking Duke, which is a high-end um, educational place. 
Uh, I, I just see that as making sense. And the final slot I have for them would be Notre Dame. I think, guys, Notre Dame's going to have to go at some point. They just can't. They're not going to be able to keep up with the money as an independent unless there's like an independent tour out there. I mean, maybe we end up with uh, all the independents end up being okay teams like Notre Dame and Oregon and Washington and, and Oregon State and Washington State. And, you know, maybe that just ends up you all start playing each other on a regular basis and your schedule's not nearly as bad as what you think. If not Notre Dame, I listed Georgia Tech because, again, the academics at Georgia Tech are absolutely outstanding. That's an interesting one for me to keep an eye on. The SEC I listed as Clemson, Miami, Virginia Tech, and either Florida State or Georgia Tech. Mm. Georgia Tech's in play or Florida State. Even then, they might pass on one of those and go to NC State. See, I, I feel like Georgia Tech would be an SEC school. You get the Atlanta market. Yeah. It just screams. Georgia, the Georgia Bulldogs have the Atlanta market. Yeah. You get the city of Atlanta if you get Georgia. Auburn's the number two team in Atlanta, Georgia. I, I think Georgia <laughs> I might push back and say we don't want them in our conference. I think, that, you know, and they've done that in the past with other schools. So what this comes down to me is – the Big 12 will be looking at these five schools as possibilities. I think everyone else, you know, all the schools, the most likely picks of Clemson and Virginia Tech and Florida State and Georgia Tech, that's the best fit, I think, for this conference. Though Some of those will be gone. I think you're going to be down to either Florida State or Georgia Tech, NC State, Pitt, and Louisville. In reality, I wish they could get one more Florida school. I wish there was one more Southern school to bring into this because at some point you end up with, um, if you handle the Western expansion properly, you end up with five, four school pods, just perfectly aligned. And if you end up with NC State, UCF, Florida State, and Georgia Tech, you've got this Southern pod. And you end up with, uh, maybe you bring in UConn, with this next grouping, which is something that's popped back up as a possibility. I'm not crazy about it, but it does play in the basketball end of it. Mm -hmm. And then you end up with Cincinnati, West Virginia, UConn, and I would guess Pitt. And it leaves Louisville out. You wouldn't take you wouldn't take Louisville over UConn? I mean, that is a school it, that's traditionally been... It comes down to when you can get them. If this is not going to happen all at once, they're not going to want to take an uneven number and just take three out of the West now. I mean, then going back yeah. and trying to find someone else mm -hmm. might be a challenge. So maybe they do. Maybe they they take the two Arizona schools in Colorado and call it good. But now I've had multiple uh, people that uh, seem to be getting good information, um, including, you know, legitimate reporters like Ross Dellinger at at uh, Sports Illustrated, it really does sound like the Big 12 in, in, in this current phase are down to the four corner schools. Okay, those four are on their map. San Diego State, UNLV because of that market, and UConn because of that market and basketball. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a really interesting list. And, and in talking to people, most people I talk to are fine with just taking two Pac-12 teams. You know, if Arizona State and Utah want to have their noses turned up, fine. Take those other two schools and then go take San Diego State and UNLV. 
it, that the big Pac-12 is ruined, and you know they, I don't know what they're going to do. Uh, and while San Diego State wants in the Pac-12, they don't want anything to do with the watered-down Pac-12. If they can make more money in the Big 12, be it a nationwide conference, they're in. So there's there's so many moves here, but yeah, when the ACC breaks, sounds like they're going to get it settled down with uneven revenue sharing. And gee, what could possibly go wrong with that? Why don't you let Florida State set up its own TV network? So you don't have Florida State in the SEC, is that right? I don't think Florida wants them. They might be able to get Miami in there. But the other thinking is Texas A&M probably didn't want Texas in the conference. You know, I, like, I that's the way, that is that is the way I see it. I, like uh, you can you can you can say all you want about Florida and Miami and Florida State when you have Texas A&M and Texas and Texas is able to overcome the roadblock of Texas A&M. Anything is possible. Two things different there. Texas A&M is not an original member. I don't think they gave a crap what they said. And Texas is obviously the bigger brand. Texas is Texas. Right. Florida State is Florida State. When you go to Florida, Florida is the biggest brand. The other two are more recent. I mean, Florida State came to life with Bobby Bowden in the 70s and 80s. And Miami was more about the 80s with Jimmy Johnson and Howard Schnellberger and all those guys. They have much shorter histories. And I think they have the ability to block those teams. I don't think they're going to want to block them both. I mean, I think if you can get Miami, and now we're hearing the Big Ten might be really interested in Miami, which I think is odd. Private school academics, yeah, kind of, kind of fits. But they got that bad boy image still, which I don't necessarily think the Big Ten is a big fan of. But you know, see, I think Georgia Tech is going to be the one of the teams that's like Boston College that are just going to be left outside. I don't think any, I don't think that they're. Unless the Big Ten thinks that academically Georgia Tech is worth it from an athletic standpoint, from a market standpoint, I, I don't think that Georgia Tech is going to The Big 12 won't do it. slide. They, to get more into the South with, I believe they are land-grant. It's a, one of the great engineering schools in the country. I don't see the Big 12 pass. That's, a big, that's the well, brand. I think that there's going to be better fits above Georgia Tech that the Big 12 would take. I think your Pitts, your Louisville's, your NC State's, you know, if if Florida State and Miami are on the table, those are certainly above above Georgia Tech. I, I, I truly think that Georgia Tech is going to be left on the outside, probably with Syracuse, probably with Boston College. I, I think, think that, what you end up with probably at some point is a – 12 to 16 conference, member conference, half on the West Coast, half on the East Coast of the teams that have been abandoned and left behind. I agree. And their contract will not be Power 5 level, but it won't be Mountain West either. Mm-hmm. be somewhere in between. Yeah. I the island of misfit toys. Oregon State, Washington State, Georgia Tech, Syracuse. It'll be a weird Boston conference. College. You'll split it down the middle. You might maybe you try seeing if some teams will from the Mountain West Boise can join up some American teams. You can probably elevate a few teams across the country. You know, it, really, if you wanted to do it that way as one conference, it could be really effective. And what you essentially do is you have two divisions. You just 
split it east-west. Yeah. And you play in football. You play everyone in your division. So there's seven games, and you're only going to play two from the – if you're west, you're only going to play two from the east. One's coming to your place, and you only go over there once. Mm-hmm. I think you could sell that. And then you have the championship game in between them. I cannot wait. TWA Dome. In St. Louis? Yeah. Just right in the I, Just I, in the middle. I cannot. I cannot wait to do this when NCAA football twenty four comes out next summer, and you can just like create and customize all the conferences fits. We need to bring that. We're gonna set it up in the studio, and you're just gonna sit there and mess with it until you get the conferences perfectly. And we'll put it and we'll do it on a podcast. You know, it would be hilarious if like I'm totally serious about that. If teams like Alabama were able to put put some sort of clause in saying that like you can't make you can't put us in any conferences with XX, X Y and Z schools, It'd be funny if some team. Probably Notre Dame would probably do that. Mm-hmm. You have to leave us independent. We can't be in a conference. There's just endless possibilities. I don't know. Endless possibilities. Next question comes from Kned. Will next year be 15 consecutive seasons without a basketball jersey retirement, or are there plans for actually doing something about the rafter neglect? Are they really not retired a jersey in 15 years? I don't know if they've done one. I don't know if Bruce Weber was ever here and then they, that they did one for. So now they got to do it. They got it. They they need to make this a point. Who who? No, I don't have it in front of me. I didn't know we were going to have this question. I didn't either. But I mean, the question is like, wh- if they haven't done anybody in 15 years, what's the incentive to do it now? Well, they've got players they've missed out on. Maybe the staff makes that more of an emphasis. I mean, I. <sighs> What is this? Consensus All-Americans is defined by the NCAA. Okay, Bob Boozer, Ernie Barrett, Michael Beasley, Dick Knotsman, F.I. Reynolds. Not up there, sir. Mitch Richmond is. Those are the six consensus ones. But, yeah, they could just go back and find older guys. They need to – they've got – it bothers me. They've ignored the history. Jack Gardner and Tex Winter to a degree. With the lavender, with the old Willie logos – it seems like the staff is trying to embrace the history more. Right. So maybe Kened, maybe you're maybe you're right. Maybe this will be 15 consecutive years. But if there was ever a time for it to change, I think this year would be the time. And I don't think the staff is afraid to not only take the program to the next level, but also look back at the history and acknowledge that this happened and this needs to be taken care of too. And that would be my guess. I mean, who on the staff though? care you know what i mean like it's weird that somebody I think on the, tank i think is. it's weird that somebody on the staff has to be the one that makes it happen that there's nobody in athletics that is thinking about this the marketing opportunity the getting butts in seats to honor some famous you know k-state historical player i don't think they're worried about getting butts in seats because people are going to come to the games anyway that's fine but let's think about the last 10 15 years you should have been honoring these people because now you have a backlog of people that, I mean, if you wanted to put Marquise Noel in the rafters tomorrow, there's probably 20 guys. And if you did two a year, it'd be 10 years before you even got to, to that and maybe even longer. I mean, just think about it. Like it's been neglected for so long that I don't think that this is on any staff. You know, this is, this is on athletics. I agree. This this isn't on. It's not Jerome Tang's job right. to to ask for. Hey, let's put some jerseys up in the rafters. The one thing they could do is put UMass on the schedule to come into Bramlage, and hopefully it works with 
Jacob's schedule to, to do it. Now, he's also said he wants Brad there, but look, that's Jacob. We're never going to get it done. Uh, you just. You, <laughs> Unless you wait 15 more years. Right. You want to wait 15 yeah. more years? You want to get this done? Um, yeah, I would do that and have a pregame ceremony in which Frank could take part of it. I think it'd be really cool. I, I've said this before, but. As far as Jake goes, I mean, they won't do it because they schedule these tournaments out years in advance, and you wouldn't just do it for this event. But it would be really cool if K-State hosted like a tournament like they did in, during the COVID season that had a UMass, an Illinois, a K-State, just... and then like another fourth team come to Manhattan and play in a little two-game tournament. But I think that would be really cool. I know they wouldn't do it. That would be really cool if the third team was um... – Rio Grande Valley. Mm-hmm. This is another coach from that stuff. Brad can schedule a game at KU if he wanted to. And then just come. Just come over the night before or the night after. These guys are on the road all year. It's not that big of a deal for Brad Underwood to take one night off to go to Manhattan, Kansas to see Jacob Bolin's jersey going to the rafters. I think he can make it happen. Game or no game. Not that big of a deal. So, Frank, Brad, Jerome, and Gene, if you're listening to this podcast, make that happen. Exactly what we just said. I like it. Okay. Last question of the podcast comes from Wildcat Pilot 88 the question that everybody's been waiting for. Since KU is asking for taxpayer money for facility improvements, what should K-State propose for an equal amount of tax money? Okay. So, I, I'm going to be careful here because i got a couple daily deliveries I'm working on. No KU fans, I'm not done with you. This thing's obnoxious. This thing is questionable in how it's being financed. Why do they need to include the Campus Center Project or Campus Gateway Project into a football stadium renovations? And they keep saying, well, the grants are totally separate. Well, they're not. It's one project. Like I told someone online, if mommy gives you $20 to go for dinner, and but don't spend it on drinks, and you spend $20 on dinner, well, you've got 20 of your own bucks left over for drinks. Did she not buy you drinks, or did she? That's the same kind of question. It goes into the same pool of money. There isn't going to be some firewall saying these particular dollars can't go over there. It's in the budget. It's just in the, the account. These should be two separate things. Absolutely two separate projects. We're going to fix our football stadium with donor dollars. And over here, we're going to build this cool gateway for the university, including an absurd $85 million from the federal government that Kansas gets to hand out. Nobody around the state is getting close to what University of Kansas is. It's because we're the flagship. There is no flagship. That is some kind of weird fantasy you've dreamed up to make yourself feel important. There is no flagship. You aren't the dominant university in the state of Kansas. Well, we bring in more from out of state. Well, actually, you're the University of Kansas. You should be educating Kansans. So it's a weird flex that you bring in people from out of state. It's also weird how they say University of Kansas, but they're KU. KU. Don't even start me on it. I, I don't know where this is going to end up. I, I mean, there's rumors that the project's already faltering, and here's why. None of the donors want to give money 
for football renovations. David Booth did, got his name on the stadium, but no one else appears to be stepping up. So they have to attach to it a non-football project that they can over-raise money funding for so that they have enough to add plumbing and better seating and relange the sight lines. Guys, I don't know. I've been to Memorial Stadium a number of times. This $330 million budget for the whole project, they need that for the stadium. You haven't done enough to that stadium over the last 40 years to make it functional in this modern era. You need a new stadium. You just do. But you can't because it's a memorial. These should be two different projects. And you need to better explain to your faculty and your students why you went and got $85 million of grants to build a convention center, a bar area, and hospitals, which to me sound like, call me crazy, things that a business person should be doing, not the university. Particularly a university that, as far as I know, doesn't have hotel restaurant management. Kansas State does. They should ask for money to build a hotel. So you're answering the question. But my real answer is, and, I, and I'm going to talk to Gene Taylor about this. I want you to go before this committee and ask the foundation to backstop your offer, which is the same thing they did with the KU Foundation. They hadn't raised money. It's all a shell game. You need to have 75% of the money for the project raised. KU wanted $50 million. They needed to have $150 million raised and available to get the grant. It makes sense. But they didn't actually raise that money. Their foundation, the non-athletic foundation, said, oh, we'll backstop it. We'll guarantee it with this money. And they have no intention of letting them spend that money. I'd be furious if I was an academic person. The foundation was doing that. It's just a guarantee. But here's the thing. So now to get that grant, you're going to have to make sure you replace all that money with new fundraising. You're going to end up having to fundraise for $280 million or $250 million, whatever works out. It ain't going to happen at KU. If it's not dealing with basketball, you're not going to get that money except for bits here and there. But for basketball at Kansas State, I would like Gene to go propose a $50 million grant out of these same funds to fix Bramlage Coliseum. Oh, we got to have something for tourism. It can't just be sports, remember? Oh, well, yeah, we're going to build a Kansas State University Sports Hall of Fame, which will bring in tourists on the ground level, along with our ticketing, which will help those tourists kind of enjoy their time there. And then, you know, the whole project will be $200 million as we take the roof off and build this whole side in, and, and there we go, but we get $50 million. I'm actually very opposed to that. But if the state of Kansas and its shady senators are going to be like sliding these grants in and saying, oh, just pretend it's not basketball, even though it is basketball, because they're trying to say it's not football when the damn grant application makes it clear it's about football. Just this money, the state uh, has a surplus. I come to this. The state supposedly has a $2 billion surplus, and our campuses have a $1.2 billion 
list of infrastructure improvements that are desperately needed on all the campuses. Seems like I found a solution for that. But no, the entire grant of money from the border regions to fix, to address that $1.2 billion shortfall, was $45 million for all the campuses combined this year. It's less than the one grant Kansas got for what is a football project. It's crazy. What is the state legislature doing? Make the argument that football brings in a bunch of revenue? Well, folks, if Lance Leipold leaves, it's going to go right back to being crappy. You're not going to be bringing in anyone. I mean, really, do you think you bring in tourists for KU football? Do you think people pass, oh, KU's playing football, this is stop by? No, it's, just, it's your fans that come. Oh, man, it's, just, it's such a mess. It's such a mess. You sound like you're having a great time. I'm a shock that a politician put his nose into it and blatantly lied and tried to cover up that lie and then play it off like, oh, it, Ahern still is an athlete. No, it's not, dude. It hasn't been. It's been a university building for many, many years that, yes, there were some athletic events that took place in it, you know, because we needed the space, but they leased it from academics to do so. And if, if you make a grant for Nichols Hall, don't try to count that as an athletic facility, too, because uh, that's not been that way for a very long time. Basically, the grant they gave them to fix their hern is to, to bulldoze the, the outlying areas, I think. I think that's what that grant was, to get rid of the gym and get rid of the notatorium. Woo, we're helping your athletic programs. You twit. No, you're not. You're cleaning up campus. Man, I just am reminded through all this, I hate politicians. You're never going to go into politics. I hate them. Well, first of all, um, I know what's going on here. This is a Kansas State guy who seems to give no craps about Kansas State and is very bought into KU. That sounds like he's got some important donors that this is important to them. Man, that's not the way I'd want to live my life, being beholden to donors to tell me what I should believe in. I'm beholden to you. Ah, you should be. The dogs are beholden to me because they want out of this room. That's it for this podcast. Check out the daily deliveries. I'm returning to this topic, and you might have heard a lot of it right here, but I don't know. I don't script the daily deliveries at all. I sit down and talk, and we'll find out where I end up. That's it for the podcast. Thank you for listening to the Power Cat Podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. 
We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.